precisely because the trade union bureaucracy had isolated them. And they weren't able to take effective action, which essentially, if you're going to have an effective strike, you've got to be able to stop the gas at the point of production. Uh, and they weren't able to do that because they couldn't get the mass support from the working class, from the trade unions in Britain. But what came after that, just a year later, there was a longshore or dock workers struggle in, in Charleston, South Carolina, which I became involved in. Uh, and these workers were fighting for a union contract they had had a union contract, but in the South, there's a thing called right to work, which means the employers don't need to have unions and they can uh, do whatever they want. So the longshore workers in Charleston had uh, a union, a union contract with this company, Nordana Line. And uh, Nordana wanted to go non-union because it's simply uh, more profitable. So the, uh, the longshore workers in Charleston put up picket lines, uh, became, it's interesting because here we are in the 21st century, the longshore union on the East Coast is a different union and much more conservative than the West Coast longshore union. In fact, there's been a book written about the comparison between the two and it's called Reds and Racketeers. We're the Reds on the West Coast and the East Coast were the Racketeers. That's an interesting comparison. I don't have time to go into it now, but we came to the aid of the Charleston Longshoremen when their own union was isolating them. Uh, John Bowers, president of the ILA at the time, did not want to support a strike by the Charleston Longshoremen. And we joined in. Uh, got other unions to support them and the Charleston Longshore struggle became a cause to lead of the entire organized labor movement in the United States. And so that was a, a real success in this situation with international solidarity because the important thing about the Liverpool dock workers and the struggle is that it brought together the most militant class conscious uh, trade unionists in the world. And so uh, I contacted the uh, Spanish Dock Workers Union because the ships that were being loaded by scabs in Charleston were going to Valencia, Spain. And I contacted the uh, general coordinator of La Coordinadora, the Spanish Trade Union, and said, uh, well, first of all, there was a new trade union international movement of International Dock Workers Council starting up. And uh, I said to the president of La Coordinadora, who also happened to be uh, the general coordinator of the IDC, the International Dock Workers Council, if you want to have the ILWU, the West Coast Longshore Union, join this new movement of dock workers, you have to show them the difference between the IDC and the International Transport Workers Federation, which is, uh, I think it was 20 million uh, transport workers around the world uh, in a very bureaucratic, uh, conservative uh, federation. 
And so what they did, the uh, La Coordinadora went up the gangways. Uh, Julian Garcia was uh, the general coordinator. I spoke to the captain. He said, we're not going to unload this ship because it's not been loaded by union labor. It's unsafe. Uh, these scabs uh, don't know how to load ships. And unless you get a union contract, get your ships loaded by union labor in the United States, we're not going to handle these ships. And uh, the captain freaked out and immediately contacted the uh, Nordana headquarters. And within uh, 48 hours, we had a union contract for the Charleston Long Story Union. That's, that's how international solidarity works uh, in the concrete. And so it's something that we need to apply today. So uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I'll, I, let me just conclude by saying I'm retired now. I'm not uh, an active longshoreman, but I am still active in the class struggle. Uh, the Longshore Union is negotiating a contract. And uh, really, one of the main problems is that the union bureaucracy is not informing the membership about what's happening in negotiation. And this is causing uh, a real frustration. Um, I don't know if Gennaro has spoken yet or Lee, but uh, maybe uh, participants here could, could speak a little bit about negotiations. But I have been down to the hall, talked to longshoremen, uh, and there's a real frustration about not having the information. On top of that, uh, prior to the contract being negotiated, uh, the new My newspaper, almost every edition was filled with pictures of Democratic politicians, the uh, head of the Department of Labor, Biden, uh, and so in this uh, attempt to look uh, like statesmen uh, of labor, uh, they've bent over backwards to accommodate the Democratic Party, which is in power now. Now, they have no contract, but traditionally the Longshore Union had a position of no contract, no work. And that's been... Uh, that's another indication of how the union is becoming more conservative. They are working without a contract. And right now, they're not taking any kind of uh, strike action because of the elections. <clears throat> they wanted the Democrats to get reelected. And so the Democrats were going to be the saviors of the uh, Longshore Union. In fact, it was Obama... And Biden, their administration uh, in 2012 that helped break a strike by the Longshore Union up in the Northwest, an important grain struggle uh, around the international conglomerates. Uh, they had a, an armed Coast Guard cutter escort a scab ship that was coming into the dock and that was at the time of Occupy, and we were able to get Occupy to agree to join with us in three caravans, which would be converging on Longview, Washington. Uh, 
the, the Portland Labor Council uh, voted to join that caravan, Seattle and the San Francisco Longshore Unions. And what happened in that militant struggle, because workers were actually occupying the grain facilities on the docks, uh, that men and women, I don't know if anyone has seen Salt of the Earth, it's one of the classic labor uh, films uh, that was made during the McCarthy period in this country. But women took the place of men because there were injunctions against the men, the, the union. And so the women stepped up. And that's exactly what happened during this grain struggle, which was very militant. They actually sat across the railroad tracks and didn't allow the trains, the scab trains to uh, come to the port. Um, of course, the police broke it up with mace and, and arrested uh, a number of the uh, men and women in, the, in that struggle. But that's the role of the Democratic Party. We have two capitalist parties. We don't have one single mass working class party in this country. And that is key to having any kind of cohesive, militant, working class struggle. We need to have our own party. And that's been lacking for a, a long, long time. Um, I'm going to leave it at that because I think I'm taking up too much time here. But uh, well, thank, thank you all for allowing thank, me to speak. Yeah, well, thank you, Jack, because that's absolutely critical history of uh, the ILWU and workers in the United States. Not only were they, have they been telling the ILWU that they better not strike before the election, but also the railroad workers have been told that they can't strike and they're without a contract and they're voting their contract down. So the, 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 uh, trade union bureaucracy in the United States is saying we got to rely on the Democrats and they'll, they'll help us out. And also, um, we have uh, Gabriel Prawl, who's past president of ILW Local 52 and, uh, uh, is also president of the AFL Randolph Institute and they've been fighting privatization as well and other struggles in, Seattle. So uh, I'm glad you could join us, Gabriel. Can you say a few words? Hey, Gabe, I'm sorry. I didn't see you on here. Hey, that's all right, Jack. I, I just jumped on. Hey, Steve, how you guys doing? Okay. Good. So, Gabriel, maybe you can talk about y your struggle I know you've been part of the uh, uh, mobilization, I, Million Worker March. I'm on the East Coast. So I... Oh, okay. So what do you want me to talk about? You want me to talk about... Uh, talk talk well, about what we're fighting right now because, um, you know, most of the focus, you know, is about the privatization and taking over at the ports. And um, here in Seattle... Um, which I'm part of the policy program in New York at this point. But um, we had been dealing with the issue of um, billionaires. Um, Steve Anson trying to um, build hotels and stadiums close to the term to the ports, and that would um, eliminate the jobs. We fought against that. We were able to defeat that. But no, presently, we have the issue of... Um, the Coast Guard. This Coast Guard is, is trying to expand the um, footprint on the ports. So um, we've got, um, they are actually located between 
And we got this terminal up here, 46, um, where we have a container. We, we lost a shipping company and uh, a new um, a new outfit came in and, and, and doing doing work here, doing container work. Right now we don't have no ship, but we have flow works and um, gate works working there at this terminal. Well, um, the Coast Guard wants to take two-thirds at the term, expand the operation to that terminal, which was, will eliminate that terminal from from operating. I mean, that would just kill the work. You know, on um, many factors in here, because um, if, you, if you do a study on the Coast Guard, you can hardly find any person of color, you can, man, one of the lowest level of any military um, complex or, or military, um, uh, whether you talk about the Army Forces, the Army. I, up to date, man, the longest I've been around, I remember it comes to the port or even walking by while I'm driving by the port. It, that's so low, the amount of blacks. And uh, when you when you compare it to a longshore work, which hire a lot of blacks, especially that community where we are, um, people black. Maybe he could shut off his video. Yeah, maybe if you shut off your uh, your video, uh, Gabriel, you'll get a better bandwidth. You were breaking up your audio. <coughs> I think he disappeared. Uh, Gilberto, Gilberto, did you want to speak? Yeah, how you guys doing? Good. So wanted to uh, thank you for the work you're doing. And I know it's difficult. Um, you know, just I wanted to piggyback on what was uh, said earlier by, I believe it was Jack. Uh, and he was talking about how, how the uh, political um, how the unions are basically an extension uh, of the Democratic Party, you know, and you guys seem more organized. What, why isn't it that on the left, why isn't it we can't come together to form an organization, a political party that advocates for the worker? We're, we're, we already know we're against privatization. You know, like the most militant unions historically are anti-capitalist. You know, they're not friends with the boss. They're, they're an antagonistic to the boss. They fight for the, the workers' rights, for the workers' wages. You know, why, why isn't it that we can't come together you know, I mean, I, I'm thinking political party because historically, I mean, that's what history shows us. That's the most effective way for a social movement to get these victories. You know, these, I mean, 
if you look at where historically the labor movement was in the 20s and 30s, you know, compared to how it is now, I mean, it, it's it, it's a whimper of what of what it was, you know, and I feel like the only way we can actually do that is not only through the the union movement, because, for example, my my union is the same. You know, it they're more in they're more willing to reach out to their membership during the political times, you know, for their, you know, political ends as opposed to workers ends. You know, when it comes to unions right now, allowing their workers to work out of contract, I mean, that's crazy. And one thing that Jack said, and I totally agree, that actually hurts the workers movement because when you do have these workers working out of contract, normally, historically, the most powerful weapon that a union wields is actually withholding labor, you know, a strike. So, I mean, a lot of times they postpone these legitimate, concrete actions for for political PR, you know, pictures with the education secretary, the labor secretary. A lot of times it just feels like they're jockeying for those positions in future administrations. So how can we, as a labor movement in America, come together? And I know this is an international call. You know, I'm an internationalist, so it's perfect. But how can we in America try to form something that has the, the semblance of a movement because right now we we definitely know it's not the Republican Party, and we know deep down it's definitely not the Democratic Party, and there is really no political voice for the worker right now. It's the lesser of two evils every single time. So I get I guess it's an open question: How can we? And it like I said, it doesn't have to be a, you know like a ultra revolutionary you know, but like for example in Brazil, Lula he got elected through a workers' party. You know, so it's not unheard of that workers movements, you know, turn into political ones or vice versa, you know, uh, but how, how is it that we can turn this call, our sentiments, our knowledge into a political action, you know, because I mean, Taft Hartley, I, I mean, all everything that's against our, our movement. Is, is put in place by laws, by measures, ordinances, executive orders. You know, the only way out of this quagmire <laughs> it is through a political movement, you know, a worker-led political movement, you know, the interests of the proletariat. Like, how, how can we, you know, it's an open question, you know, to, to anybody, because, you know, I'm, I'm happy this call is happening. I'm happy about the examples. You know, and I'd be even more happy if we could take this a step further, especially right now. The, the ground and the sentiment in America is ready for this. You know, not everybody believes that, you know, inflation is through the roof because Putin. I mean, some of us are able to understand that prices go up because CEOs decide that they go up at the end of, you know, costs go up. But that's financial policy everything is connected 
You know, how, how can we develop this into something more? You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. Uh, I, yeah, thank you, Gilberto. I'm, I'm part of a committee called the United Front Committee for Labor Party, but there are 750,000 workers whose contract expire this coming year in the United States. This workers, there are 49,000 uh, education workers, uh, graduate students who may be going on strike in California. One of the things we have to do is unite these struggles. Uh, they're now isolated, these strikes of the railroad workers. There's been no mass mobilization to support the railroad workers. So I think the way to a workers' party, and this is not just a problem in the United States. In South Africa, there's no workers' party. In Japan, where I am right now, there's no workers' party. So there's a political vacuum internationally. And um, from my point of view, I think it means by unifying on a united front basis, workers' struggles uh, in the United States and around the world, and at the same time, fighting for a mass Democratic Workers' Party uh, that can take up the struggle against the capitalists, which the Democrats are not going to do. Uh, and, of course, the Republicans are not going to do as well. And I think the rise of fascism is a real threat now uh, in Brazil, in the United States. Uh, and it's go not going to go away even if Trump is not elected. Uh, fascism is growing because of the crisis of capitalism and imperialism and war. Uh, Leith, why don't you introduce yourself and you have your hand up and make some comments on this. <clears throat> Thank you, Steve. Um, Leith Call, ILWU 19, Seattle, Washington. Um, I, uh, I wanted to uh, step in and speak a little bit um, to try to finish what, what uh, my, uh, my co-worker, Gabriel Prawl, who's from the same port, same union, same port as I am, was was talking about before his connection because um work i work closely enough with gabe i i uh i think i know some of the the, the the struggle he was trying to outline that's going on up here in seattle um with the coast guard and um we have a, a a scenario in seattle that's definitely not identical but very parallel to the struggle against the a stadium in oakland the attempt to privatize the uh, a big portion of the of the port of oakland um we have uh, five container terminals in Seattle, and two of them are in, are uh, in danger of being taken over completely by the Guard. And there's no there's no legitimate security reason that the Coast Guard uh, needs the uh, the stated reason is that we need to station icebreakers in Seattle to get to the North Pole and keep the uh, the North Pole uh, open and free of ice uh, in in various seasons. Well. There's a lot of places that icebreakers could be stationed that are closer to the North Pole than Seattle, especially uh, even even within the Puget Sound, right? Um, they could be stationed outside the Puget Sound, but but even within the Puget Sound, there's closer places to the Strait that gets you to the North Pole than than Elliott Bay. So there's there's what's what's happening is that the Coast Guard as as a as a as a public military institution is being used by some real estate interests. Um, real estate interests who know that if they can get the container operations to cease on the terminals that are closest to downtown Seattle, the, uh, um, the, that it will then be possible to line up a lot more, uh, hotel development, uh, ho hotel and condo development capital to, uh, uh, build up that, that portion of the, uh, town near the waterfront in the way that they want it built up. And to, uh, to 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 further gentrify it, push push the last of the poor people out, including including potentially Chinatown. It would be it would be, it would be a major blow to Chinatown if they can get that capital lined up. 
get the capital lined up as long as there's a noisy container terminal operation next door. But a, but a quiet Coast Guard uh, base, no problem. So there's that. And then another force that we've recently found out is pushing for the Coast Guard to take over these two terminals. <laughs> Guess what? It's SSA, Steve Adoring Services of America, which has two, uh, uh, two of the other three terminals um, under its control. And SSA right now has a, a monopoly on container terminals in Seattle, on operational container terminals in Seattle, because uh, uh, its two competitors, TTI, which handled Hanjin, which went bankrupt, and uh, Eagle Marine Services, which moved out of Seattle, are gone. So uh, SSA is actually pushing for the Coast Guard to take over the remaining terminals because then it would know it had no competition or no potential competition, no no um, no way of any other stevedoring company coming in and competing with it. So it could remain a stevedoring monopoly in Seattle. So uh, this is this is a fight against gentrification and against uh, the Coast Guard and against one of our major employers. And it's it's interesting because the Coast Guard. As Gabriel pointed out, it's the it is the whitest demographically. It's the whitest branch of the American Armed Forces. It hires the least people of color of any branch of the military. But also, it was the branch of the military that the employers went to in the McCarthy period in in fifty in in the early fifties when they they uh, they passed the the uh, the Magnuson screening program and the McCarran screening program to try to purge the maritime industry of of militant trade unionists. Uh, and they, uh, they did, uh, to, 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 today, the, the echo of what they're doing is called the TWIC card, the Patriot Act of 2001. But, uh, in the, the, the original form of that, of that TWIC card and Patriot Act was the, the McCarran screening pro, the McCarran and Magnuson screening programs where they purged, um, uh, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of militant trade unionists out of their unions. And in, in fact, they purged so many that they, they killed an entire union, the Marine cooks and stewards. A very militant maritime union that was um, working very closely with the ILW was destroyed by this, by the Coast Guard purging people of uh, of, the, of the ability to go to their workplace and work on ships. And uh, it just so happens, not coincidentally, that over 70 percent of the people purged by the Coast Guard from civilian jobs in the maritime industry from 1950 through 52 were African-Americans. 70% of the people they purged were black. So it was a huge blow to the uh, earning power of the black community in, in all the major coastal cities, including Seattle. And, um, the ILWU fought back against it very hard as, and, and there's a record of, of the ILWU fighting back against it in the dispatcher newspapers archives from 1950 through 52. If you look at the middle of 1950, all the way through 51 through the middle of 52, you'll see constant coverage of this issue, every single issue of the, of the dispatcher. For that period. And ultimately, the screening program was ruled unconstitutional. But by the time it was ruled unconstitutional, much of the industrial damage had already been done. The purges had already taken place. The job loss had already taken place. And the Marine cooks and stewards had already been destroyed. It no longer exists. Um, so the, the struggle against the Coast Guard and the racism that the Coast Guard uh, represents and has been used to implement in the maritime industry is a, is a, is a very old struggle that, um, that, that militant trade unionists on the West Coast of the United States have been fighting for a long time. That struggle continues. 
And that uh, is, I think, well, the, 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 end, the end point that my brother Gabriel was, was getting at um, in, in terms of that strike. That um, also has a relationship to our contract struggle because uh, it's, it's much harder. As, and and uh, our, our brothers in South Africa can jump right or wrong about this, but it, it, it's much more difficult to negotiate a, a, a good contract for maritime labor in conditions where the waterfront is, is privatized and or militarized. Uh, it's, uh, conditions are much more possible to organize in, much more possible to, to uh, effectively organize for a good contract and secure a good contract when the waterfront is under uh, municipal public sector jurisdiction. And um, so there's a reason that they, they, they put ballparks on waterfronts to try to privatize them. There's, there's a reason why billionaires bid um, billions of dollars to try to buy up pieces of coastline. Uh, well, here in Colombia, South Africa, um, uh, Honduras, all over the world, there's the, the struggle between whether the waterfront is going to be a public sector or a privatized place is very much connected to whether waterfront workers are going to be uh, allowed to build the type of organizations we need to build in order to secure good contracts. Uh, and, um, in that's, in, 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 in that, in that struggle, you, you generally find that the, the Democrats and the Republicans agree with one another, agree with one another that, um, privatizing things is better than keeping them public, which goes back to what, uh, what you all have, have been, have been saying. Well, well thank you, Leif. And I think that, um, one of the things that unites workers globally is a fight against privatization. And the um, the need to unify internationally, and that's going to be taken up at this conference in Durban, the fight against privatization of ports around the world. Uh, and one of the problems, the political problems, is this fight against privatization is an ideological fight against the Democrats, against the capitalist parties in South Africa, in the United States, and around the world. And it's it's interesting, Keith, uh, Lee, that no, no longshoreman that I know about knows about what's going on in Seattle. Right up the coast, you would think that the attack uh, by the by the Coast Guard and SSA against the Seattle Longshore would be publicized. It's not. So I think we need uh, an uh, education and joint meetings about against privatization in Oakland, uh, in Seattle, in in uh, Durban, South Africa, so we can bring these struggles together because they're the same struggles. We're fighting the same people, the same capitals, the same corporations, the same shipping companies. So I, I think that is like a critical task um, that is necessary. And I think uh, Gennaro's had to leave. But I think we in San Francisco, maybe we can have a joint meeting from from uh, San Francisco and, and uh, the uh, stadium, John Fisher, the billionaire stadium to Seattle and the, and the Coast Guard. The other thing that it raises is why no demands of the um, ILWU, which support the Democrats and given them money, that they drop it, that the Democrats uh, drop this plan to use the Coast Guard to take over per- terminals. That's a political issue. and But it's apparently not a political issue on the agenda of the leadership of the ILWU because they're not publicizing it. Uh, uh, to, to my locals' credit, we have put out that demand locally to local Democrats. And through uh, it took a lot of work, but um, Mar- Mar- Maria Cantwell started out very much supportive of the Coast Guard, and she's come around to the ILWU's position. Um, not easily, though. Pressure had to be applied. It didn't automatically happen. Um, 
But I think you're right, Steve. It needs to be more than just uh, every local for itself, every local defend your own your own port. We need a coordinated coastwide strategy to defend our por- our ports against privatization, which means yes, we we do we do have to have those kind of conferences where we talk about what is what what are the, the what is the uh, the capitalist strategy, what is the privatizer strategy in every waterfront, and how are we going to beat it back in every in every port on this coast? And you know, it's interesting the IDC uh, and the uh, ITF, which represent dock workers around the world, none of them have taken up this fight against privatization. So this is this is something we need to do. It has to happen, and it can bring workers together globally as, and unite all workers fighting privatization, not just in the ports, but in education and, uh, and uh, public services. Uh, Gabriel, and then uh, uh, Carol hasn't spoken after Gabriel, and then and then uh, Gilbert, Gilberto, and, and Lee. Gabriel. Hey, all right, Steve, can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. You're coming in clear. So, um, you know, um, and thank you, Lee, for picking up where I left off. Um, but the um, thing that, um, that really mind-bothering is that um, people are suffering and hurting in this country. And Longshore work is one of the most good-paying jobs that to take people out, out of poverty. To take make make family have a better living, you know, and 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 the government is responsible to make sure that uh, people can be able to live a better life in this country. But they work the opposite; they oppress and they um, instigate the whole purpose of building a a, a country where there is more po- poverty than anywhere else. I mean, we let's look at the fact that we send money for war machine all over the world but you got people living in poverty here homeless and um and 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 not able to feel a family and then they make it an agenda to take away good jobs so i mean it doesn't fit up the economy goes up the the price of everything goes up but the earning for people to live a better life goes down i mean this doesn't add up but um I'm going to be working here in Seattle and, and I'm going to be working with my brother, the elite, and trying to do some kind of thing like they're doing in Oakland. It's forming our alliance so we can take up on this fight because we can sit back and watch this go on because it's going to continue. And the fact that um, SSA wants to play that monopoly where they want to control the profits here in, in the port of Seattle by le- eliminating our competition. I mean that has to be stopped too, because it's not it's not helping longshore job, and the future of longshore work is is in is in danger right now, you know. And 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 as you say, it should be more publicized. It should be more um, engaged. People should be more engaged, and, and longshore workers need to be more engaged as well. Not just a small group. Every longshore worker needs to be more engaged. We need to be be making this real, real fight be exposed worldwide not just here in seattle like like it's been going on like at least that we reach out to people but it's not good enough we need to go further we need to reach out to the world because this is this is something that's going on all around the world absolutely and we and, need to come yeah. together to fight this you know? absolutely 
And that's one of the reasons this conference is taking place in Durban, South Africa, because they're trying to privatize the port. As Dubé was saying, uh, the port of Durban and Transnet is selling off uh, the, the facilities and uh, busting the unions basically through privatization. That's the ANC government. So it's an international issue. And I think we have to organize internationally against it and educate people about what's going on globally uh, against privatization. And <clears throat> the Oakland, we have a slap schools and labor against privatization of teachers and longshore. And we have to develop that uh, and bring in public workers, all workers who are affected by privatization. And running up against it are the Democrats who are pushing privatization of education, pushing privatization of the ports, uh, pushing privatization of schools. I mean, every, everywhere they're pushing privatization. And that, that's another reason we need a labor party that's going to stand against privatization and public resources. Um, Carol and then uh, Gilbert, Gilberto. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm, I'm glad to see everybody is here from different places. This is really a beginning of building the things that, that we're talking about in terms of, um, you know, fighting against privatization in New York. Um, the mayor and the unions have collaborated to get rid of um, Medicare for people who are over 65 and are forcing people into privatized Medicare Advantage programs. The, the problem is, is um, a couple of things. The bureaucrats are just out to defend their own little piece of the pie and therefore pit workers from their own particular industry or job title against everybody else and say, don't worry about anybody else. We need to get for ourselves. And that is the kiss of death. So internationalism, as Jack was explaining before, is really the, the, the way out. It's the only way out. Capitalism is an international system. We need to have internationalism of wall workers. Um, otherwise, What's happening with with um, capitalism is it's cannibalizing not only its own system. I mean, if you if you, even if you read what's going on in Twitter, um, Elon Musk just laid off fifty percent of the workforce. The rest of the workforce hates him, and nobody really wants to do any work at Twitter anymore. And this is basically what's happening when all you're doing is seeking profit. And the problem is, is they get away with it, not just because of the Democratic Party, but they get away with it because of the union misleadership. And time and again, my union, I'm in the AFT, did the same thing. Don't do anything. We have to worry about the elections. We have to get somebody in to save us workers, that workers can save ourselves. And it's the union bureaucrats that are keeping us, you know, isolated it's the keeping us weak it's keeping us disconnected hostile to other workers i mean it's just if it continues to go on we're headed in a direction that's going to be world war that's going to be fascism we as workers have to to band together internationally because my interests are the same as the interests of the workers in South Africa and everywhere else in the world. And yet the unions say my interest is my interest alone and we can't worry about people in other places. So I put in the chat um, box the um, the United Front Committee for a Labor Party because um, Gilbert was and 
absolutely correctly is insisting that workers develop our own party. It's not just going to be the party that's going to, to, I think, I mean, workers obviously have to speak in our own name. We're going to have to organize mass strikes and international mass strikes, not just national ones, but international ones. But as a beginning, organizing a labor party where people, where workers get a chance to speak in their own names, in our own names, um, is the beginning of the education that everybody is talking about at this point of workers, not only nationally, but internationally. So if anybody is interested, Interested, I put in the chat box and we have meetings every week about how to go about doing this. Please, everybody come and join. Um, but I have a question As, uh, from the last meeting that we had two weeks ago. Um, the longshore from from South Africa and people in the longshore from the United States were going to sort of begin to build some unity. And I'm just wondering what came out of that. Did anything, did people, are people speaking to each other? Because frankly, I mean, as everybody on the call understands, it's the only way to go. We have to counterpose international workers struggle to the, these limited bureaucrats who want to essentially keep their four or $500,000 and the, the, President of my union of the AFT makes $500,000 a year and who knows what else. And she's for the privatization of education for charter schools, right? And she's, she's ostensibly the, you know, the head of a union of public workers and she supports privatization and charterization of the schools. And so rather than allowing ourselves to be fighting with workers around the world and ultimately in war, workers of the world really need to unite because we have nothing to lose but our chains. Thank you, Carol. Uh, Gilbert and then uh, Ricardo. Beautiful way to end it, I must, I must admit. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I, I think also part of of the struggle is, you know, we, we need to just say it, you know, socialism, you know, it's internationalism, but it is Marxism. It is so revolutionary socialism. I think it, it it's important to also desensitize people, you know, that for better or worse, I think, um, the, the, the best thing that came out of 2016 and Bernie's run was actually the destigmatization of the word, you know, even if it was democratic socialism and we, you know, that's at the end, the end, not what we want, but um, I'll look at that. Thank you for sharing that link um, on that. Um, um, what was it? it the USCLP.org, you know, cause, cause I'm curious, you know, is, is that an openly um, socialist organization? It's, it's an organization that you don't have to be a socialist. Although we, everybody who's on the committee, they're, we're all socialists. And so our program is, you, you should go to the webpage. Everybody should go to the webpage and take a look. We fight for, for workers' rights, workers, worker control. I mean, so essentially it's socialists, but, but we have differing opinions on some things, but we've come together to fight for the right for, for workers to have our own voice 
in opposition to the Democratic Party. And that's what we put forward, that workers need our own party to speak to our own concerns. And so that's the beginning, hopefully connecting up with mass movements, with mass strikes to fight for socialism, in my well, opinion. <clears throat> I, I mean, I think what we need, uh, along with the Labor Party, are united fronts around class issues, united fronts to support the railway workers, united fronts uh, against fascism. In other words, we have to have united fronts with workers in the defense of the working class issue, uh, working class struggles that bring workers together. The railroad workers may be going on strike. There have been, we had a rally that we initiated in Oakland. Uh, Jack spoke at it, other longshore workers, but the, the left is not fighting to even build uh, uh, actions to support the railroad workers if they go on strike. And well, they, we, we need we need enough. I'm, I'm, when I say we, I, order, people interrupting each other. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, sorry about that, Steve. You, you you spoke a couple of times, so please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, in any event, uh, I think you know uh, the uh, United Front against privatization. Uh, this is one of the things we want to take up and unify workers, and that's. Uh, I, I mean, I think we're. Probably everyone on this call supports a workers party, a mass workers party representing working people. But how do you get there? And that's one of the issues that has to be discussed. I think we believe, I believe that it gets there by united fronts around direct action to defend workers. In other words, unifying workers in, in a general strike, unifying workers to support the railroad workers if they go on strike is a way of building a, a unification of the entire working class uh, and developing the, the politics of, of a workers party in that process. So, um, and I think that, uh, just the discussion that we've had around privatization of the ports today at today's meeting is very important because we have to concretize the fight for a labor party with the actual struggles that workers are going through to defend their living conditions. You know, uh, so it's not an abstraction. It's a concrete thing. Uh, Ricardo and then. And we'll go back to uh, some of the longshoremen from South Africa, the doctors from South Africa. Ricardo. Yes, uh, one uh, important contribution that uh, was made uh, today uh, is by uh, a comrade Leif uh, Kahl that I never met before, but he mentioned some essential points of uh, the militarization of uh, the increasingly militarization of uh, society in the United States uh, from you know, the use of, uh, uh, hardcore, uh, sophisticated, uh, equipment for, uh, the so-called local, uh, police forces to, uh, you know, uh, the Coast Guard, which is, uh, one of the armed forces of the United States. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Coast Guard has, uh, what is called the DOGs, which are called, which are the, the, the those initials stand for the deployable operations group that the Coast Guard have, which are uh, four major specialized uh, forces within the the Coast Guard. And, uh, you know, uh, among them is uh, the Port uh, Security Units, Tactical Law Enforcement Teams, and uh, one very important <laughs> force that I link with the Army uh, Delta Force and the SEALs Team 6 uh, unit, which is, uh, you know, they, they, those are the only uh, 
uh, so-called uh, counterterrorism forces of the United States Armed Forces. You know, the Coast Guard is linked to the National Strike Force, uh, the National Strike Force, NSF. And it's out there to repress. I mean, it's right there, uh, you know, to be deployable in the ports in case of, you know, that uh, the workers uh, need to uh, arise and, uh, you know, uh, do what we workers need to do, which is uh, organize against uh, the capitalist class. So uh, uh, thank you for, you know, bringing that to, you know, the attention of people. And we should be active denouncing this. We should be active denouncing them increasingly militarization of the ports. Uh, the other uh, aspect that I want to uh, talk about is, uh, uh, you know, this will be more like a question to the South African uh, 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 militants, the, our brothers in struggle, leaders of the workers down there. It is that uh, South Africa has a very powerful and numerous working class. But uh, there is a problem down there, I think, that uh, it's like uh, Comrade Steve mentioned, it's the, la it's the lack of a workers' party and, or, or the need of a workers' party. I was, uh, he, uh, I read somewhere that even COSATU is now, uh, uh, that uh, happy with the National African Congress and uh, the CP coalition. So uh, could you abort on that? Also, uh, uh, there is a whole bunch of problems that uh, in the 90s, the ANC was promising that they will, that they would take care of. And uh, obviously those problems are there because uh, the ANC came to power with a capitalist program from the beginning. And uh, now we know that uh, the ANC was bargaining and negotiating secretly with multinational corporations, even when Mandela was uh, still in prison. So it's the problem of uh, the, the land distribution that, uh, you know, there are a lot of conflicts to this day for, you know, the, the land in South Africa. And those, uh, obviously, those uh, issues only will be resolved through a uh, revolution, through the establishment of a worker state, something that uh, one political philosopher called permanent revolution. I just want to leave it uh, right there. And thank you, Steve, and uh, all the people that collaborated organizing this meeting. Okay. And the South African brothers uh, may, may have to go. St uh, Stone, you have your hand up? And then Dube uh, can maybe close it out. Can you unmute Stone? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Is how are you, comrade? Good. Good. No, comrade, uh, I've been listening to the conversation through uh, uh, all the speakers. Uh, comrade, one of the things that I will want to ensure you with is that we, as uh, the South Africans, I think the comrade from Comrade TV, Utube have spoken uh, eloquently to some of the issues that are uh, actually hitting us here in South Africa and all the South Africans that have spoken. Comrades, I would want to say 
Uh, thank you very much for the United Front that you have uh, established. Um, I would, I would, I would, I would say, looking at the conference that is coming through in South Africa in the twenty on the twenty sixth of January, we will be fully supporting uh, it and we will make sure that it becomes it becomes successfully to all of you who will be participating in it. So, comrade, uh, it is clear that privatization is one of the, the animal that is going to destroy us across uh, the world, or the, across the, the, the globe. So um, I, I just want to say that, and I don't want to be, um, to say more on that, but I'm looking forward to see the United Workers working against the evil of the capitalist because here we have realized that there is no other way that we can we can do but to unite workers so i'm saying this chair as 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 you are still on the line i know you 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 have said that in south africa is becoming late you have to release us but uh, i enjoyed much I learned much from the veterans of the of the of the movement and the the veterans of the of the of the workers. Uh, I would also want to engage more and more on these issues and to learn more. I hear comrade from USA. I hear comrade from UA from UK, and also uh, I would want us to unite more than what we have did. Like, like, Ukomretu, JV, Utube has, has elaborated. We, we, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a national treasurer of, of Reducer, uh, but based on the situation that has happened and with the strike that we had recently, we are not happy with the 6%, but unfortunately, because the balance of forces was not on our side, we had to agree that uh, Ubuntu signed the agreement, and then we had not to mislead the workers. So, Comrade Steve, I salute all of the comrades, the veterans who are around, veterans who are supporting us, veterans who are who we also want to support them in the struggle of the globalization and in the struggle of. Uh, private, against private, privatization in across the world. So I'm saying, uh, being part of this meeting, I benefited a lot and I hope and I'm looking forward to the conference that we'll have in the near future. Uh, that's what I wanted to say, comrade. I thank you. Thank you. Very good, comrade. And, you know, obviously, uh, despite our uh, differences and our wide uh, uh, spaces from three continents, uh, we're still together fighting the same struggle. So uh, we can unite internationally. We have to unite internationally to be successful. Uh, so um, do you want to, uh, Comrade Dubé, do you want to uh, uh, round it out? Um. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, thank you, comrades. Uh, I, I think we have said quite a, a mouthful. 
but I think we're just all in agreement uh, in terms of uh, one issue, one issue only the United Front, because I think throughout the world we have shared some political parties that has been supported, you know, by the workers not working into the advantage of workers, but working with the capitals, you know, to destroy workers, to destroy the gains that over years were just uh, benefited. So it's important. Now, in, in South Africa, comrade, um, NUMSA have uh, at some point uh, to start, you know, the, the workers' party. I think it's a discussion that is taking place here in South Africa because the Circle Communist Party, which is uh, supposed to be the vanguard of the workers, I think they have just lowered that. They have just joined the government of the African National Congress. Similarly, the discussion out there in the community within political parties that the Circle Communist Party is not an alternative actually for the workers, you know, to, <coughs> to lead the workers' party. I think this is a discussion which that should be proceeding over years because uh, I've had comment actually from, uh, I think from UK, if I'm not mistaken, you now speaking about the Democratic Party, uh, which was not associated with this party, you not know, siding with the capitali- uh, capitalism, you know, to destroy whatever the workers have just benefited. So it's clear we are just on our own as workers. It is for us as socialist comrades actually to look into a, an alternative. And an alternative, it's um, one comrade. It is a, a political party that is going to be led by the workers, you know, where workers are going to be the one that, you know, plan that is going to be the one that they, this is our destination. Because we've seen, you know, in South Africa, as you all know, uh, there's an alliance uh, of, uh, you know, led by the ANC of COSATU, ACCP, you know. But similarly, what has happened in terms of this alliance is that, uh, you know, the African National Congress uh, seem to be undermining other Unity, which is the Kosato, uh, and the, the ACCP. Currently, I think, uh, if you've been just following news, the, the, the president, uh, was, you know, chased, you know, by the workers last year in the May day. Currently, I think this year, when they were, it was a Kosato Congress in September, uh, a comrade who was the chairperson of the ANC was, uh, stopped. Uh, into addressing the Congress of the Workers, which is uh, the Congress of uh, Southern Workers. It, you know, it shows you that, you know, things are not right even within the alliance. I think throughout the world, all whatever parties that workers have been supporting and so forth, when they are in party, I think this is one lesson that we should all learn. When they are, whether it's a, a, a Labour Party, whether it's a Democratic Party, uh, whether it's a social democratic, you know, party, once they are just in power, obviously they will just support, you know, the capitalists are the one that, you know, pump money uh, to support these particular political parties. So it is very clear. Workers in the world unite. You've got nothing to lose our chains. Uh, I think that, um, slogan, as it was said, actually, by, you know, uh, Lenin, 
um, I think it should unite all of us to say we are on our own as workers. Privatization is all all over the globe. It is, you know, causing harm to workers. It is causing harm, you know, to companies, some of the companies that has been actually there for over 100 years. Because capitalist companies got only one interest and one interest alone interest is to make profit and more profit at the expense of workers. So we should unite. This meeting actually should proceed discussing these issues. We should be very open. I think we are just learning from each other. Uh, in South Africa, Conrad, we have learned a lot. And you know, as the international community, workers um, throughout the world, more especially workers from IW, um, you know, played a very important role for the, the freedom of people of South Africa. A lot of, you know, comrades and uh, socialists, you know, play a very important role for our freedom in 1994. We were of the view, you know, when we have this freedom and democracy in 1994, that it all going to be hunky dory. And, uh, we have learned of late that as workers was in struggle and the struggle is continuing and Aluta Kondina Congress. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. So, so I want to thank you all for joining us. And uh, I think that we should follow this up with another meeting uh, and on uh, the global fight against privatization, how we can build the United Front and also uh, plan on meeting in uh, uh, South Africa at Durban in January 26th. And if those who can attend it, we plan to stream it live so it can be an international conference as well. Uh, because uh, obviously, every, not, not everyone can afford to go to South Africa from uh, other countries uh, with travel and family and everything else. But we want to be able to broadcast this conference. Uh, and David is going to be uh, in South Africa. We're going to be bringing other unions General Industrial Workers Union of South Africa, uh, Mametwe Sadeh, and other unionists. So this debate that we're having here, this discussion that we're having here, will be going on at the Durban Conference. Uh, what are the issues facing the working class, privatization, union busting, uh, the, uh, the issues of uh, a workers' democracy and a workers' party, and building an international working class movement and using our communication tools to strengthen us. So I want to thank you all for joining Solidarity, let's take this struggle forward, brothers and sisters. Thank you all. Uh, thanks, comrades. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Take care. Thank you, everyone. Um, I'll be putting out an invitation that Steve can, uh, you know, send it further, uh, which uh, Joseph has started, but just in a shortened form to get the bullet points on getting to Durban. Very good. Okay, well, thank you all, and uh, we're going to continue this struggle and debate. Our survival is at stake as a world working class. That's what we're talking about with the danger of war and destruction of our lives. So thank you for, for participating. Nice to you. Mm -hmm. Good. That was the meeting with the South African Dockers and the ILUW in Seattle. Um, just broadcasting live their meeting.
Um, I will be having a regular, a regular episode of Crowdsourcing Revolution at 1.14.14. So 1.14 is the start time today because I'm a nerd. <laughs> Talk to you soon.